Um, well, good morning, everyone. As Danny was saying, I'm going to be wrapping up our uh, Patriarch series, and we're going to be looking at Genesis uh, 33, and, and at this point in Genesis, the story starts moving away from Jacob, and it moves more towards his sons, and especially to a young man by the name of Joseph, which is a, a, a great story. But I was thinking, okay, we're going to wrap the series up. How, how would I sum this series up, the Patriarch series, and so I was thinking about that, and I actually went back to, I, I got to do the first message in this series, so I went back to that, uh, to that message, and I, I want to quote myself, can you do this? <laughs> yeah, but it, here's, here's something uh, that I said in the intro of the first talk, I said, in this series, we'll get to look at the stories of their lives, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their successes and their failures, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and then we'll learn from them. And hasn't that been the case as we've, <clears throat> as we've looked at, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the, you know, all the stuff going on in their lives that we've learned from their uh, right choices, wrong choices. As we look at Abraham and Sarah and, and Isaac and Rebecca and then comes Jacob with Leah and Rachel and Bilhah and Zilpah. Jacob was a busy guy. But, uh, you know, God had revealed himself to these people and said, come follow me. I've got a plan for your life. I want you to, you know, I, I want to, you know, you come follow me and I'll show you what I have for you. And, and in this series, we've basically had a front row seat to watch these very real people uh, struggle to walk in obedience, to, to follow after God. And so when I look at that and look at this series and again thinking, okay, how would we sum this series up? It also reminded me in the first message, I, I shared a story where I talked about a time in my life years ago where I was at a, a, like a career crossroads and you know, I was working for a company back in Canada and uh, they'd offered me an apprenticeship and, and it, was, you know, it was a really, really good job and real, well actually now years later it wouldn't have been very secure but, but, uh, you know, but it looked really good then and, and at the same time I was volunteering at a church as a worship leader and a, you know, in ministry and so part of my decision making process was I went away to a buddy's place and uh, I did something called a silent retreat where literally for two days uh, uh, I could only talk at set times. It just about did me in. But uh, I can remember during those two days, one of the days I went for a bike ride and I was riding along and just processing, you know, this, I got a decision to make. What do I do? And I'm thinking it through and I'm thinking about the apprenticeship and going, wow, you know, that's a... You know, that, that looks really promising and lucrative. And, and, but the whole time, I've just had, I was having this tug in my heart back to ministry and back to uh, uh, worship leading. And, and then I, I had this memory come back to me when I was first learning to play the guitar. The guy that taught me how to play guitar was like my worship leader hero. And I can remember at the end of the classes, he said, he said Michael, you need to know that God has called you to be a worship leader. And that was, that was new language to me. I thought, well, what does that mean? I didn't get a call. You know, but it's, it's like God has made you and formed you. And, and, and this is one of the you know, plans for your life is to be a worship leader. And you know, I, I was thinking back on that. I was thinking back on people had had uh, prophetic words where you know, God will speak to someone to speak to you, to encourage you in his call, to encourage you, you know, just in your life. And there have been people who, who didn't know what this guy had prayed. They'd say, hey, you know, you're made to do this. You need to, you need to pursue this music thing and ministry. And so I'm thinking all of this through as I'm riding this bike. And all of a sudden, and this is how real it was, I'm riding down this trail. It's like somebody rode up beside me. I mean, they didn't, but this is what it was like. It was like they rode up beside me as, and, and they said to me, well, Michael... Uh, what if it's true? 
what if all this is true? And, and literally, it was like someone said it to me, and I urge, I stopped the bike, and I stood there, and I said out loud, well, well, if it's true, if all of this is true, that when God created me, when God created you, that he made me a certain way, he wired me and gifted me for, for, for a special purpose, and, and not just in the church, it can be in all kinds of different things in life, but, but I, I remember saying, well, if that's true, well, then, then it changes everything. Right? It changes everything. Listen to this quote from C.S. Lewis. It says, don't come to Christianity because it's comforting. Don't come to Christianity because it's encouraging. Don't come to Christianity because it's exciting. Come to Christianity because it's true. If it isn't true, then how can it truly be exciting, encouraging, or comforting? Isn't that a great quote? Like, just think about that. I mean, what if it's true? As we've gone through this series, hasn't that been the question for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as they've been, you know, following after God and this plan, you know, come follow me? And, and it's like, it's that whole question. Well, if this is true, well, then this demands a response, doesn't it? it, it you know, if this is true, then it changes everything. It changes my whole outlook on life. Well, you know, ask yourself that question. What if it's true? Like, doesn't it demand a response? So as I'm thinking of how do we sum up this series, the title of my message is how we sum it up. It's, here's the title. A long obedience in the same direction. And if you're familiar with Eugene Peterson, he's an author. I stole that from him. But, I, but that's how you sum up this series. It's this long obedience in the same direction. These people, you know, God called them, God invited them. You come follow me. And we've, again, we've been able to watch them on this long road of constantly choosing, not once choosing, but many times. Are you going to say yes to God? Yes, I'll follow you. You know, and we've watched them get off the track. We've watched them get back on the track. But what I want to do this morning is I want to remind us, I want to encourage us, but I want to challenge us that just the, the call that was given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God is giving that same call to you and I today to come follow me. My challenge to you is, well, what if it's true? Because if it's true, it demands a, a response, and if it's true, it changes everything. So let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump into Genesis. So Lord, thanks for your presence, and just another opportunity to gather together. And, and Lord, I pray that you would take us way beyond just uh, going through the motions today. Lord, we've gathered together primarily to meet with you. We've gathered together to, to reconnect with one another. We've gathered together to, to be encouraged in our faith, to be reminded uh, about who you are and who we are in your eyes. And I just pray today that for everybody here, that you would come close and be real personal. Or whatever it is you want to you know, uh, speak to each one, I just pray that it would be, be crystal clear this morning. We welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We have Bibles at the front. And also back in the sound booth, if you don't have one, please grab a Bible. But uh, before we get into uh, Genesis 33, the first point in your notes says the human condition continues. And if you remember last weekend, that was one of the points uh, from my talk last weekend. And, and really what I'm talking about when I, when I say the human condition, if you remember, was that story about the father in, in um, the book of Mark. Remember his son, the demons were attacking his son. It's this crazy story. And the father says this, in just this wonderful prayer where basically he looks at Jesus and he goes, I believe, I don't believe. Right, that's the human condition. Like, oh, I think you've got it covered or nope, I better do something because it's on me. Or if you remember from last weekend, shoot, father, 
right? If you remember that. If you don't, well, <laughs> but that's, that's the human condition. And so here's, here's Jacob. If you remember last weekend, he'd just been wrestling with God, had this amazing encounter with God. And now it's the new day, the sun's coming up, and today he gets to meet uh, his brother Esau. So let's take it up there. Genesis 33 verse 1 says this. Jacob looked up and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two female servants. He put the female servants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Let's stop there. Now, I can just imagine Jacob as he's bowing down and, and you know, I don't know, maybe the sixth or seventh time as he's looking up, all he sees is, dum, dum, dum. here comes Esau running at him, and I'm sure he's going, oh, Lordy, you know, did I get my house in order? This is it. But he runs up and he hugs him. And he picks him up and he kisses him and they're weeping. I mean, Jacob's got to be going, this is not what I expected. Remember, his, his last memory of his brother was, I'm going to kill you, right? You, as we say in Canada, you hosed me once too many. You can write that down. You can use that. You hosed me once too many, and I'm going to kill you, you know, as soon as dad is gone. And so here's, here's uh, uh, Jacob just, you know, I'm sure just overwhelmed with relief. And wouldn't you say, just looking at Esau's response, that obviously Esau's heart has changed towards his brother. I don't know how many years it's been since they've seen each other, but his heart has really, uh, really softened towards Jacob. And, you know, and, and, and uh, can you imagine if Jacob, in this moment where they're, you know, they're weeping and there's this warm you know, reconnection of these brothers, could you imagine if Jacob went, uh, oh, Esau, I have been such a jerk to you. Would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? I mean, there's a, there was, it was like, uh, uh, you know, the perfect storm, or it was like the, just this moment of, okay, here's your chance, Jacob, for true, deep reconciliation with your, brother, with your brother. But what we see instead is the human condition continues. Because if you remember from last week that Jacob had this master plan of how he was going to, you know, basically appease Esau. Remember, he sent all these gifts ahead, all these animals and and so I can imagine, you know, they're now back to this part in the story. They're crying, and, and then, uh, you know, sort of paraphrased version, Esau looks at Jacob and goes, bro, what's with all the animals? Why, you know, why were you giving me all these animals? And there's Jacob, like, oh, you know, they're, they're a gift. They're, you know, here he is yet again scheming and trying to work the situation in, in his favor. And, and, and I look at that, and I, you know, and, I, and if Jacob were here, I would just say, come on, Jacob you got to be kidding me. You're already up to your shenanigans. You just, you've literally, probably hours ago, you've come away from a face-to-face encounter with God. Right? Remember last week, he was literally, you know, he was wrestling with God and, you know, this interaction where God blesses him. And, I, and I'm looking at it, I'm going, how is it possible that after that, you're already back at your old ways again? And you know what I think we can, what, what, what we can learn from that? When we look at Jacob is that uh, as much as we love supernatural experiences, right, as, love, as much as we love those, those sort of buzzing, you know, moments where like, like in worship, it's like it's so hard to explain, but there's times where 
you know, here we are singing our praises to God and, and God is coming close. And have you had times where you just feel this weight on you? And it's like, it's, it feels otherworldly. It's like, this is, this is just awesome. Or you, you know, you feel like in, in worship, you're wrapped up in this cocoon of just calm and peace. I mean, isn't that wonderful? Right? Or maybe someone's praying for you and, and don't you love it when they're praying and you feel power going through your body or you're shaken? Because as humans, we, we love those, those things. It's like, hey, I think it's real. Like, I think it really works. You know, like electricity's going through you. Or, I mean, I mean, isn't it amazing when someone, God speaks to someone and they, and they prophesy over you and they say something to you and you're like, oh, oh how, did, how only God could have known that. Right? Like, don't we love those moments? Like, they're so encouraging, so uh, inspiring. But here's the thing, and what we see in the story of Jacob is those supernatural encounters and experiences are wonderful, but they do not replace the power of a long obedience in the same direction. What I mean is they don't replace day in, day out obedience in the small things, step by step by step, just going through life. Like most of Christianity, most of following oh Jesus, following Jesus is, uh, is saying yes to him in the, in the areas of our, of our lives that nobody ever sees. Most of following Jesus is that day by day, step by step, uh, uh, submitting to him or surrendering to him in our thoughts. I can't see your thoughts. Maybe it's a good thing right now. Right, But I can't see your thoughts, but he can. In our attitudes, in our motives. right? It's a long obedience in the same direction. It's this step by step, slowly you know, saying yes to God and slowly over all these years of life of walking with Jesus, we change and we become, uh, we become more, more like him. But what we see in Jacob is, is that this big the supernatural experience obviously uh, or doesn't necessarily guarantee change and so here comes Esau they have this interaction and I wonder and maybe I'm being unfair to Jacob but I wonder if all the weeping and all the hugging and all the stuff going on if in, in the back of his mind Jacob's going ha it worked my plan worked that was, you know, I, only, I lost a few animals. That's not, you know, that wasn't too bad. It, you know, it worked in my favor. And, well, let's read on to see how their interaction ends. This is verse 12. It says, then Esau said, uh, let us be on our way. I'll accompany you. But Jacob said to him, my Lord knows that the children are tender and that I must care for the ewes and cows that are nursing their young. If they are driven hard just one day, all the animals will die. So let my Lord go on ahead of his servant while I move along slowly at the pace of the flocks and herds before me and the pace of the children until I come to my Lord and seer. Esau said, I mean, what a good guy Esau is. Well, well then let me leave some, some of my men with you. Let me at least leave some people to help you. Let me at least leave some men with you to protect you as you, as you complete the journey. And here's Jacob. Oh, but why do that? Jacob asked. Just let me find favor in the eyes of my Lord. So that day, Esau started on his way back to Seir. Jacob, however, went to Succoth. So, you know what that tells me is that Jacob never intended to follow after his brother. Right? It's, a, it's the human condition. Here is Jacob in this little talk. Oh, but the animals will die, and we've got to take it slow, and oh, don't. Basically, he's just he's scheming. He's manipulating. He's deceiving Esau. He's back at it again. He... he it's like I look at him and I go, Jacob, you still don't trust. 
Jacob, you still have to be in control. You still have to scheme and manipulate to protect yourself, uh, your stuff. You still need to scheme to get your way. And, you know, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that Jacob's intent was never to reconcile with Esau. I think his intent was just for a truce, right? The weeping, and, and Jacob realizes, okay, so you're not going to kill me, right? No, well, obviously he's not going to kill you. So you're not going to mess with my stuff, right? No, no, I'm not going to mess with your stuff. And it's like, I, I wonder if in the heart of uh, Jacob, he goes, well, then we're done here. Right, because at this point of the story, they part ways. And they don't come back again until years later when uh, uh, their father, Isaac, dies. And I wonder what kind of a reunion that was, because they met up to bury their father. But, you know, I look at this and I go, uh, uh, what jumps out at me in this story is that God seems to be okay with loose ends. Right? What I mean is this, is that I'm looking at this story and maybe... Uh, Maybe I watch Hallmark Channel too much. I don't, actually. I'm just throwing that out there for the ladies, trying to connect, build a bridge. Uh, but, you, you know, if it were me, and I do, everyone loves a good story, I'm looking at this and going, God, you missed a great opportunity here. You could have wrapped a big, beautiful bow on this story. Right? You could have had the brothers are weeping, and they're, oh, and then Jacob humbles himself, and oh, like forgive me I was an idiot why you know I forgive you bro and they're hugging and laughing and then there's sort of a you know an expensive boom shot or helicopter shot as they're from behind as they're walking off arm in arm and the music starts and the credits and everyone's oh wiping their eyes and what a beautiful story right that's how I would have ended it because we love happy endings like that don't we but God seems to be okay with loose ends and the picture I get is just things flapping in the wind Right? We aren't comfortable with loose ends, are we? I mean, we want everything done. But listen how the, the writer of the, uh, the book of Hebrews says, as he looks back on the patriarchs, this is Hebrews 11, verse 8 says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go uh, to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Now, <clears throat> when I read that, especially the last section there, I go, that's, that's not very encouraging at all. In fact, I would say that's discouraging. I mean, look at verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. It's going to happen. I trust him. I believe in him. You know, he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Right? They all uh, were living by faith when they died. And here's the kicker. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. That's living with, with loose ends. Right? Can we, I mean, can you imagine Abraham? He's getting, <clears throat> he's getting older. 
And one day he's just, you know, sitting there and he's, he's he just thinking back on all these encounters that he's had with God. And he's, and he's thinking back to when God said to him, Abraham, through your descendants, they're going to be, uh, uh, there's going to be more, you know, more people than, than, like more than the stars of the sky or the sand and the seashore. And, and there's Abraham, this old guy, and he looks over at the promised child at Isaac and he goes, but, but that's it. I just got this one son here. Right? Or, there's, or there's Isaac and he's getting older and he's looking at his family and, and he's thinking back and you know, things that God has said to him and he's reminded of, you know, Isaac, through your offspring, I'm going to bless the whole world. And there's Isaac thinking that through and he's looking at his family. His sons hate each other's guts, it seems. I'm going to kill them. You know, and his wife, Rebecca's pulling things over. You know, uh, you know behind, who knows what she's doing behind his back. And, and there's Isaac and he's going, you're going to bless the world through my family? Well, my family's a mess. Like, that's, that's loose ends. Or, there, or there's Jacob. He's getting older. And this is a little later in Genesis and Remember back, I think it was when Danny talked about open heaven where Jacob has this incredible vision from God where God comes to Jacob and he says, all this land I'm giving to you, the promised land, it's your land, Jacob. And just think, as he's thinking about that, as as, uh, he's loading up his wagon to go where? To go to Egypt, right? Loose ends. Or think think of the disciples, and they're, you know, the followers of Jesus, and they're watching Jesus get manhandled, arrested, and beaten. And then they're standing there, and they nail, they nail him to a cross. I mean, if I was one of the disciples, I'd be like, this isn't how it's supposed to go, right? Come on, do your thing. I've seen you do miracles. Like, say the word or do whatever you have to do, but you got to do something or you're going to die. But he dies, doesn't he? And, and thankfully, three days later, he's resurrected. And again, the disciples are like, now that's what I'm talking about. You got to do more stuff like that, Jesus. That, that was a tough three days. You don't know what it was like, right? But it's like, that's, you know, that's the stuff we love. But it was just a matter of weeks where those same disciples and followers were standing there with their mouths open watching Jesus ascend up to heaven. And they're like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Why do you keep doing this? Like, this isn't how it's supposed to go. If you leave, what are we going to do? Right? Just flapping in the wind. Loose ends. And, I mean, think of your own life. You know, I know right now in my life, there's lots of loose ends. Personally, in our family, with people that we know, with friends and loved ones. Right? There's, there's, I mean, as humans, we want results. We want change. I mean, we want closure, don't we? Right? We don't want anything chronic, whether it's pain or you know, you know, mental issues or whatever. We don't, we don't want that. Right? We want to take all our struggles, and this is, kind of, this is the picture I get. We want to take all the struggles and challenges that we have and be able to put them in a scrapbook, put them in a tote, put a label on it, and put it in storage and be done with it. Ah, done. History. Nice little box, right? I mean, that's, that's how we're wired. We are not comfortable with... With loose ends, you know, since, since I was a kid, many moons ago, <laughs> but since I was a little boy, I have always uh, believed that I would see the return of Jesus. I guess I was probably taught that, but I've always believed that I was going to see Jesus come back. I mean, talk about the ultimate bow. 
the end. You know, it's like, yeah, I love it, right? But I'm going to be 50 soon. I know you're like, what? 30 maybe, but thank you, Spanx. But it's hard to breathe. Little short breaths. But you know, I was thinking about that one day and looking in the mirror and looking at my dad in the face and, and I was thinking, I'm getting older. And suddenly this thought went through my mind <clears throat> uh, and, and the thought was, have you ever considered that planet Earth could still be around for another thousand years? And I thought, oh, well that's kind of a drag. Because you know what? That means like so many people before me I'm going to get old and die. And if it's another thousand years, my kids, they're just going to get old and die. And their kids, and their kids, and you, we're just going to get old and die. It's like, oh. right? You look at the lives of the patriarchs. You look at how they, you know, this long obedience in the same direction. It's like, they never got a bow either, did they? What does it say in Hebrews? They went to their grave still believing. Well, how did they do it? How were they able to stay on that long obedience in the same direction? And, and Hebrews 11 answers it, and it's very simply or very challengingly, if that's a word, it's by faith. It's by faith. That's how they did it. And when I say faith, I don't mean that they just had, you know, they were different than us. They had this inner strength and this inner will, you know, this character that they just knew, you know, the right choices to make. Well, that's not true, is it? Because we've seen their lives, right? We've watched all their mess-ups and all the times they got off track. So, so that wasn't the case. See, it wasn't, their level, it wasn't the level of their faith that kept them going. It was who their faith was in. That's what made all the difference. That's what, that's what fueled them to stay on this long obedience in the same direction. In verse 11, it says, And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. See, their faith was, not anch- their faith was anchored in him, it wasn't anchored in their circumstances. That's not what determined their faith. It was him. You know, I, I remember it's almost four years ago now when uh, <clears throat> my older sister passed away. And it's, you know, it's still a very vivid memory and picture being out in California and most of the family's there and we're gathered around and obviously it's hard, it's sad, you know, to watch someone you love uh, pass away. And, and, and I remember it was probably, it was like a few hours before she died and I had to leave, I had to get back to uh, uh, San Francisco and, and I uh, said my goodbyes and I remember walking out of the hospital and, and walking into the parkade and I got in the car and it was dark and I just sat in the car and I just sat there, just, you know, just taking it all in and, and processing and, and I'm sitting there quietly and all of a sudden out of my mouth I just looked up and I said, I believe in you more. And I can remember in my mind going, that's kind of a dumb thing to say. That doesn't make any sense. What do you mean you believe in him more? We're losing the battle here. How can you believe in him more? Right, and I realized I believed in him more because at that moment and so many moments before, God had shown himself faithful. Right, he'd show, he's, he'd, the promises he'd made, he'd shown himself faithful. And I still remember the, just being in that hospital room and all the sadness 
But at the same time, the, the richness and the closeness and just that sense of leaning back into God and his promises and his faithfulness that this is not the end for her. In fact, this is the beginning. Right? It's, it's, our faith was not in the circumstances or the outcome of the circumstances. Rather, it was in the one who was in control of the circumstances. 2 Corinthians 4 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So what does that look like to do that? Well, this is number three in your notes, and it says uh, pilgrims versus tourists. And I've used this, this, uh, this uh, point before, but let's just finish off the, the Hebrew uh, passage. It says in verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And remember, at the very start of this series, God comes to this guy, Abraham. Basically, you know, I don't know what it was like. He reveals himself and puts his arm around his shoulder and says, Hey, uh, Abraham, I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave what's known, what, what, what you're comfortable with. And, and, and I want you to go to the land that I will show you. He doesn't even know where he's going. Basically, what God is saying is, Abraham, I'm inviting you on a journey with me. But he doesn't know where he's going. And isn't it, have you noticed this as, as human beings that when you're going somewhere that you've never been before, that can be a, there can be some anxiety. And, and what I mean is, you know, you're driving along and driving along and driving along and it feels like it's taking forever to get there, right? And I don't know, if you're like this, this little bit of anxiety starts to well up in your tummy and you're like, oh, I'm sure we missed a turn. I mean, that Google Maps is good, but uh, it's led us astray before, right? Or, or, or there's just that, that uncomfortable feeling where nothing looks familiar, right? That's the journey that we're on. And, and that's where on this journey we can see there's a difference between being a tourist and being a pilgrim. And here's what I mean. A tourist, uh, a tourist is on a journey. Uh, but, but a tourist, the destination they're going to, a tourist, see if this makes sense, a tourist has, is grabbing on to a destination, right? They're grabbing onto a destination and their hope is they're gonna squeeze as much as they can out of that destination, right? I mean, we're gonna have so much fun, uh, you know, we're gonna make great memories, great pictures, you know, uh, we'll get a tan, right? I mean, it's like, that's, that, that's a tourist, but in, a, in, in the case of a tourist, it's a selective journey, meaning as, as soon as that destination that they've grabbed hold of, and as soon as it starts to disappoint, or it starts to rain, or man, the lineups are just crazy, or whatever, what does a tourist do? A tourist is quick to abandon the destination. Now a pilgrim is similar in the sense that a pilgrim is also on a journey, but the huge difference 
is in this case, the destination has grabbed hold of the pilgrim. Right? The, the destination has hooked the heart of the pilgrim. There's something deep, something in the heart that's gone on. And, and come what may, the pilgrim stays in the journey, whether they get what they expected or didn't get what they expected. Because the destination has hooked their hearts. See, uh, John 17, 3 says this. And this is the way to have eternal life. It's to know you. The only true God in Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. See, this, this long obedience in the same direction, the, the way you stay on that path, the way that you, you, know, uh, you stay as that pilgrim, it's because you've tasted something of God. See, it's about knowing him. It's about, it's about friendship with him. It's an invitation to walk with him. See, and as we looked at the patriarchs, that was the fuel in their hearts. That was the fuel in, in, these, in, these, in these people's lives that, that gave them the faith and the boldness to step out. That, that when they got off track, it was that, that, it was that hook in their hearts that brought them back to, to, the, to God. It's because they had tasted something of God, something of the, of the, of the you know, uh, just the love and the kindness and the power and the person of God. See, when God says, come follow me, it's not, hey, come follow a bunch of rules. Here's the manual, memorize it, right? Or come follow a bunch of traditions. It's come connect yourself to the one who is love. Come connect yourself. Come walk with the one who's life, who's all-powerful, who's, who's all-knowing, who, who sees the beginning to the end, who's not, you know, nothing overwhelms him. Come attach yourself to him. See, that's how you do it, right? It's this, it's this you know, it's this day-by-day, step-by-step, uh, trusting him. Well, he said to do this. Oh, I'm not so sure. Oh, hey, hey, it was solid ground. I didn't fall through. And then, you know, you trust him a bit more. You get to know him a bit more. You trust him a little bit more, and then you know him a bit more. Then you, then you want to obey him more. And it's just this lifelong walk of day-by-day, step-by-step, walking with him and and. Uh, uh, trusting him more, knowing him more, right? So here's my question. So what if that's true? What if all that I've just said is true, right? Doesn't that demand a response? What if it's true? Isn't that, isn't that a game changer if all of this is true, right? Doesn't it change everything? Doesn't it change the way that we view our very lives, if all of this really is true? Because you know what I love? And this is another C.S. Lewis quote that it's either all true or it's all false. The only thing it can't be is partially true. Right? So it demands a response. If it's true, it, it's going to change the way we see our time on earth. Let me end off with this. This is a, a verse from a Jim Reeves song. He says, This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. That's, see, if it's true, well, it, it's got to directly impact the way we see our lives. The way we make decisions. Why don't we stand up? <clears throat> <clears> Thank <throat>
Let's just quiet ourselves. Just invite the Lord. And Lord, we, uh, we welcome you here and we believe that you're with us. And uh, you know, even as I close my eyes, I just see Jesus walking through all the rows, just walking. Just coming close, personal. Lord, we, we welcome you here. We welcome your presence, your work. Hmm. You know, I just get a sense of, you know, that, again, that prayer, I believe, I don't, you know, help my unbelief. I think there's something, something in us as humans that we, we just, we are not convinced. We don't believe that God's way is the best way. You know, and so we've, you know, we keep choosing all these other paths. Lord, I, I, uh, I just pray this morning you would come close. Just come and overwhelm us again with your presence. Come and overwhelm us again with your love. Lord, you have watched over generation after generation after generation. You know people. You know us. You know our passions and uh, desires and hopes and dreams and fears. Just come, Lord. Hmm. You know, we want to end off today with uh, just an opportunity to respond and... and uh, uh, <coughs> you know, the picture I, I was having was, um, I, you know, I just saw that it's like Jesus would, would walk up to certain people and, you know, and he'd just stand right in front of you and he, and he would say, remember out of Isaiah, he says, come let us reason, right? Remember that passage where it's like, we need to talk because there's stuff going on in you and there's doubt in you and there's lots of questions and that doesn't put him off at all. I feel like he's saying, come on, let's talk about it. Get it out. Get it out in the open. And, and, I, and I would encourage you, if, you, if you're aware this morning, there's just a battle going, inside, going on inside of you of I want to believe, but I don't believe. I would encourage you to let us pray for you. Right? And I know that, that's probably a hard one to respond because it's more, you know, but, but I'm sure we're almost all of us are in that place. And the Lord wants to come and, he, and he's inviting you into a conversation. So if that's you, I'd encourage you to come forward. I also had a picture of this. Uh, I was thinking back to Ephesians 2. Remember where it says, for it's by grace we, we've been saved through faith. If this not of ourselves. What does it say about faith? It is the gift of God. I, I just, in my mind, I saw this big semi. Pull, or, pull up. And on the trailer was written, faith. And I just saw there's just loads of faith that God wants to encourage people today. You've, you know, maybe there, who knows what's flapping in the wind in your life and he wants to give you faith. He wants to increase your faith to stay on the path with him and not go running into what you think is gonna fix this or what you think is gonna give closure. Um, I talked about chronic illness. If there's any, anyone here today with chronic pain, uh, migraines, joint pain, whatever it is, we'd love to pray for you. So uh, Pam's gonna lead us in a song and just encourage you, come to Jesus. Uh, as people come up, let's have guys praying for guys, gals for gals, but just start coming and then I'll, I'll end off the service.
We need some folks to come up and pray. Some men. Faithfulness, faithfulness is what I long for. Faithfulness is what I need. Faithfulness, faithfulness is what you want from me. So take my heart and form it. Take my mind, transform it. Take my will, conform it to yours, to yours, Lord. Righteousness. Righteousness is what I long for. Righteousness is what I need. Righteousness, righteousness is what you want from me. So take my You know, it's baffling to me that the front is empty. It's just baffling to me. And because I, I look around the room and I just see so much need. And I just, and I, I feel there's something rises up in me. And I just think, if, if we can't be a people in need, we're not going to survive this, this journey that we're on. Right? If we can't be a place where we're honest about where we're at, We've got a problem. Does that, does that sound heavy-handed or does that make sense? That we would be a church where, where we recognize how much we need the Lord. There's so much desperation in this room right now. And I think you're going to leave here and you're going to get back in the car and you're going to be right back on the, on the treadmill again. And you don't have to. You don't have to. The whole purpose of a ministry time is come to Jesus. He has something for you. And I don't know about you, but I, I just, and I don't know, I mean, send me an email if you feel I'm being heavy-handed. But I'm standing there looking, going, this is baffling to me. Because there's so much need in this room. And what we need is Jesus. And if it's our pride, I get that. If it's our fear of man, how oh, do I get that? But I don't know about you. But 
but my resources ran out a long time ago and they haven't done much for me. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. And oh, that this would be a place where to be in need is a wonderful thing because we're in the presence of the one who has everything, all that we need in this life, all that we need to stay on that journey. So if that's upsetting, (laughs) send me an email and uh, we'll talk. But let me pray for you and we'll end off our time. Lord, I do pray this week that you would just keep knocking on the door of our hearts. Just keep knocking on the door of our lives. You know us. You know our struggles. You know where we just don't believe. You know where we just don't give a rip. Lord, don't let us play Christian. Don't let us play church. Come, I just pray this week for lots of times where you come close and just put an arm around and draw us in. Just, I thank you that you're a pursuing God. I pray that you would pursue us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, bless you. Thanks uh, for coming this morning. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Seriously, I would love an email if you felt like that was heavy-handed because I just feel like we've got to come against this. So uh, let me know. I'd love to hear it. Bless you.